Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and it is a very special Locked On crossover today. Gavin, we went and we were marauders and went into the the Locked On Jazz podcast and started talking some Donovan Mitchell trade. Podcasting pirates, Alex, forcibly boarding that Locked On Jazz ship and uh, spewing uh, why the Knicks should not be desperate to trade for Donovan Mitchell and should be operating from a position of power. We'll get into all that with the voice of the Utah Jazz right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and maybe even our guest's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Oh, that would be a compliment. <laughs> that would, I, I would give anything for Donovan Mitchell if, if I heard David Locke say that. <laughs> which, of course, our guest is our boss, David Locke. Of the Utah Jazz, uh, he's the radio voice there, and uh, he's the host of the Locked on Jazz podcast, of course. So we barged into his show to talk some Donovan Mitchell trade. We're going to jump right in, right where we barged in and started uh, debunking all of his lies about the Knicks <laughs> and making him eat his words from earlier this year. So enjoy our crossover with David Locke of Locked on Jazz. Uh, we, so, we were listening in a little bit. We, 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 you can hear the trash talk from Utah, David. You want to steal our best player, and, and and now you're trying to steal my show. Well, David, it was the player you said a few months ago that was ridiculous that he didn't want to go to the Knicks, so we thought we just, we'd just have to come back and comment on it. I, I still think it I, – I, I, will, I will hold to this. The other pressure point I would add here is if I'm the Knicks, the last thing I want is Donovan having not been a Nick – when he goes to free agency, right? Like the Knicks' chance of re-signing Donovan is that he's been in New York, he feels comfortable there, he's embedded there. But when he beca- if, if he goes all the way to free agency, Clippers become a player, Kawhi and Paul George work their way, Miami's now a player. Like there's a lot of players at that point. Isn't Maybe that you like go play with them. Three and a half, four years away. Yeah, I mean... I, we I, might be able to find another shooter other than Knicks by then, too. Yeah, so, <laughs> David, I got to well, I mean, ask. Might as yeah. well. I, I would like four unprotected. I would like Grimes. I'm interested in quickly. I'm not interested in RJ. Um, I, I'll have to take Evan Fournier. That probably means for me to take that salary. I need one, a pick swap, and probably uh, I'll take the 2023 pick from I think Detroit that it's pretty clear to come through um and I I guess to make numbers work uh I mean unless you want 
you, unless you want me to take Julius Randle, you take Rudy Gay. Then I want four unprotected and two pick swaps and two more picks. So you know what Leon Rose would like in that scenario? To hang up the phone <laughs> and That's never good. call you back. That's good. So when you start seven and ten. See, that. well, so here's here's where I come in on the pressure point thing, right? I don't, I don't think that there's this. So I was listening to what you're saying about like this move could potentially cost the Leon Rose regime his, you know, their jobs or whatever. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Now uh, starting at shooting guard for the Brooklyn Nets, number 45, Donovan Mitchell. Well, who are the, who are you taking in a deal with the Nets? It's, how, how are they getting you up to four? Like do they have four unprotected no, first like, round oh, picks? Because they sent them all for with mm-hmm. God only knows whom and did, where and when. Do they even so, have two first round picks? Like, well, I mean, it depends. We want. To, hey, we got Minnesota's out to like we're we're long term planning here. Like, does, we got twenty seven. We're gonna own the twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine drafts. You watch that. That's fine. I mean, I actually, I don't. I mean, I think that their return they got for Gobert was great. How many first round picks does Miami have? They can trade. Uh, they don't have. Three. They have three. three. The answer is three. three. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play with Miami because they're always good. I'd rather trade with you because you're not. What? Yeah. Okay. So how many first round picks does Brooklyn have? Uh, what does Brooklyn have? Two available. I mean, depends how far out you go, right? Right. So even if, if they can scrounge, yeah. Even if they can scrounge oh, well, four, they already traded you one for Royce O'Neal, which was one of the right. stupidest moves yeah. of the offseason. Good deal for you guys. Congrats. Yeah. Great. Great deal yeah. for the Jazz. I think <laughs> Mike, what's going on in Utah? What's going on in Utah is they fleece Brooklyn on a good deal. It didn't have anything to do with what's going on in Utah. Yeah. All right, yeah. he's there. He's Alex Wolf. He's Gavin Shaw. We'll continue with this one and continue the conversation with these two guys and try to see if there's actually anything reasonable. Or maybe I'm just going to be Danny Ainge. I'm going to sit here and make Mike tell you what I want. I'm just going to sit here and wait. And we're just going to wait, wait, wait. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. It's all locked on Jazz. Locked on Knicks has jumped in as well. Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf will continue here on Locked on Jazz on the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks very much for making us your first listen each and every day. Locked on NBA is available for you as your second listen, a 30-minute rundown of everything you need to know about what's going on in the NBA. All right. I'll be almost reasonable. I mean, I told you I want. (laughs) So I don't know if I'm actually interested in even listening to what you want. I mean – like, where do you want to start the conversation? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Let, let's let's start here because we were, we were just hinting at it. Who Who is the realistic other team here, David? And if there isn't another realistic team, how long is it tenable to keep Donovan Mitchell on the Jazz? I think it's very tenable. So here's – honestly, this is what I expected to have happen. This is – and if you go back and listen to old Locked on Jazz, I actually am super surprised this conversation is going on right now because – what you're playing to is if you're Utah is you're playing to desperation, right? You're playing to desperation. It's the same thing. San Antonio just played with Atlanta. Atlanta's got an owner that's pushing them. They got desperation. They had DeJounte Murray. They got three first un, what three unprotected first round picks out of that deal. Minnesota, not as, I think they felt some desperation, right? Like, like, they've got these nice pieces. They don't really have a lot of other ways to do it. They had the player they thought was available. It might have been DeJounte Murray. He was gone, for all we know. And then they went and did the Rudy Gobert deal. It's pretty unusual to have three teams in desperate situations in one offseason. Right? Like, they're just 
You have enough teams that are building up through the draft. You have enough teams that were good. You have enough teams that were injured and waiting to see what happens. And then you have those middle teams, Minnesota. And like Memphis isn't certainly desperate. Golden State's certainly not desperate. Clippers are coming off an injury. They're not different. Lakers are probably desperate, but hamstrung. So I really fully expected like 12 months from now, we're having this conversation after a bunch of teams have gone 35 and 40, whatever, 42 and 40, and there's their owner coming down saying, like, we got to do something. And then that's where you pull this neck. That, that's when you, if you're going to trade Donovan, that's when you make the next play is at that point on Donovan. I didn't, I didn't expect this conversation. So, Alex, to your point, I kind of agree with you. At this given moment, yeah, Atlanta, San Antonio's already given it up. Minnesota's already given it up. But in 12 months, we didn't see Minnesota giving it up 12 minutes, months ago. And we certainly didn't see Atlanta giving it up 12 months ago. So I got no doubt if I, as playing Danny Ainge here, I, I now have been a professional athlete in two sports. I've won a world championship. I'm pretty, I got a good golf swing. I have just gotten way cooler. Um, I'm, I'm good with you seeing if you want to wait it out and see if anybody else plays. Because if somebody else plays and you're not it, that's a bummer for you. Well, so let me, let me ask you this then as a follow-up to that. So, how how long do you think this goes before Mitchell says I'm not like I'm done playing this? You know, you have to figure that somewhere behind the scenes, Mitchell has called up Ainge and privately said, "I'm not interested in being here anymore." Or else, why would this have suddenly started ramping up? Right? At what point does he do the the very public thing, like what we just saw happen with Kevin Durant, where? <laughs> Yeah, hilariously. I don't think he has the clout to. So I'd be no two things. Yeah, and maybe I I could be a hundred percent wrong here. Like I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. One, I'm not totally sure what that does. Like, so let's say Donovan has privately said, "Hey, I'd prefer to play in New York. I'm not re-signing in three and a half years." Let's let's say mm-hmm. that that's happened because that's your scenario, right? Well, like, what's, what yeah, really is what really is his next play? Like, is he just going to not play? Like that? Like that's pretty. He, he's not there. All right, we'll be right back in with David, continuing this rough and tumble back and forth negotiation. He is playing a lot of hardball. He's not willing to budge. He's definitely playing a great Danny Ainge in this uh, little negotiation of ours. But I got to let you guys know real quick about Built Bars from the people who invented Healthy and Tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and they are all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time, so go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. You guys know that's the coconut stuff, always some of my favorites because I'm a big Almond Joy guy. Coconut brownie chunk puffs, no different. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good, and is good for you. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, head to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. 
Yeah, I guess that's what it comes down to in some ways, but also like I just don't think that the league revolves around free agents anymore. I feel like we see so many times now where teams are willing to sort of acquiesce to what their players want, even if they're not in a position where they have to, per se. I think that the most egregious example that we've seen recently of of a team really not uh, kowtowing to what a player wanted was Philly with Ben Simmons, you know, where he made it pretty clear, like, I won't be here anymore. And they were like, all right, well, too bad. <laughs> we don't have anywhere for you to go at the moment. So, you know, forget about it. But then, you know, you see other you see other scenarios in recent years where guys say, I want out. And then the team says, OK, and they trade him, you know, so it's I guess that's what it comes think, down so to. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all on that. And, mm-hmm. I, and I actually think the really interesting point you made is like this is free agency now. Like this mm-hmm. is what free agencies become in the NBA. There's actually very few players that get to free agency that that move teams. This is what free agency is. But l- let's say we're there that. Unless Don, which I think, let's make sure this is, let's be clear on this. This is a hypothetical. Don, no one's record has done this. And it's not who he is or how he represents himself. Like this would be a pretty 180 degree turn from the dude that we've dealt with. Who's been fabulous, credible in the community. I never thought I'd be in the NBA tap, you know, touching his heart while he's talking about it all the time guy to suddenly be like dogging it openly, like, James hardening it like I I don't see that and like I don't see him having frankly the James Harden clout where like I got an MVP and now I'm gonna do this and my career's gonna be fine like if Donovan Mitchell pulls that that gets like so that's that I mean sure if he does if he decide but on the other end you know what the Jazz can do to that fine I still want four unprotected picks and if you're not gonna give it to me I'm gonna wait till somebody else does David, let me throw this at you in terms of... Just by the way, from a jazz standpoint, if you're really rebuilding, right? Donovan doesn't play. I'm waiting for my loot. I lose a bunch of games, and I go get my top five pick while I'm waiting. So I think I think that's that's kind of my next point. I If I were the jazz, I would be highly motivated to be have as much equity in the 2023 draft as humanly possible, widely considered a generational draft led by a generational prospect. But the whole premise of this 2023 draft and granted where you're out this this stuff is hard to predict is that there's five six seven eight guys who have maybe an all-star ceiling again hard to say that definitively but if you're utah do you not want donovan mitchell propping up your win total in the first half of the year and even more so than that don't you want as much draft equity from the new york knicks as possible that if you want to pull an oklahoma city thunder and if there's someone in that top six seven eight that you're absolutely in love with hey, I don't just have those Minnesota picks to play with. I also have these six picks from the Knicks to play with. And all of a sudden, that Pistons pick, that Bucks pick, that in and of itself doesn't look exceptionally valuable. You start packaging that together with the Minnesota stuff. You throw a Bomaro in there. You throw a Vanderbilt in there. The Jazz have a lot more maneuverability in that 2023 draft. And I guess that comes down to how Danny Ainge views that draft. But I would assume that that would be a variable as well in terms of making this as expedient as possible. So the assumption here is that the 2023 draft is this fabulous Let's go with it. It is unlike the last time we did this, which was Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Dante Exum, Marcus Smart, and Joel Embiid, and it wasn't that good. Um, let's assume it is. I don't need to do it now. Um, you might be 100% right, but I, like, I can get that pick from you, your 2023 pick, and the Detroit 2023 pick, I can get for you like up to February in the trade deadline. Sure, but you're accumulating I, wins over that time with Donovan. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. <laughs> like, 
We'll see. I think we're probably a little above 500 team as we're struggled right now. So yes, but like when you go to seven and I don't mind accumulating a couple of wins, if I get another unprotected pick, right? Like if I'm at, you know, maybe if you're at three unprotected picks and two pick swaps and I decide that's as good as four unprotected picks, maybe, but if you're only at two unprotected picks and we're talking about another, I'll, I'll wait till you go seven and 10 to start. And the New York media starts to bang on you. I don't. Well, so first off, you're assuming that Leon Rose cares about the media at all. Ask any of the New York media members how much I'm Leon Rose James cares about them. Dolan gets involved. James Dolan. James Dolan has. I mean, not... I know he's rocking out and he's like fighting with Charles Oakley instead of worrying mm-hmm. about. But... I mean, I'll say this much, and and I'm I'm no James Dolan fan, but the guy has not interfered in a basketball decision outside of firing a couple of GMs that really had not done well um but he is not meddled firsthand in a basketball decision in about 10 years which is kind of crazy to think about but the last the last personnel decision that he put himself in the middle of was nixing the Kyle Lowry trade back in 2013 uh so it's been quite some time since he's spoken up in in terms of a basketball move Leon Rose is also the guy go ahead what's the value for you to hold that like let's say we don't know right let's say I don't know what's been reported on the New York side, but like, let's say that New York's at three unprotected picks and Danny wants a fourth. Let's say that that's where we are. Sure. Like, why not? Like, I what's think, what's the reason not? And is Donovan have, Mitchell that level of player? How far has he gotten the Jazz exactly? What's the risk? <laughs> though? Sure, maybe. Um, but he's pretty special. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Every is he is he out of the first round more than once in his career? Special twice. Twice? Sorry. <laughs> is um, he Western Conference Finals special? Not done as a yet. one seed? Yeah. I mean, I if I'm giving up four unprotected first-round picks... Well, maybe, you I feel like... maybe you don't want him that much. We'll just go move him to someone else. That's fine. Go. Good luck finding someone who even has four unprotected first-round picks. <laughs> That's well, the whole point of this whole thing. Maybe if it's a three, we'll move him to somebody else for three solely for the purpose of you're not giving us our fourth. Is it just so you're just going to make a move for spite? No, but I think there's by- a level, there's a level to that in negotiations where if somebody else well, is giving, I, I was talking about player negotiations this way, right? Like the, mm-hmm. if RJ, if I offer R, if I have seventy to offer RJ Barrett right now, mm-hmm. and it's all I have to give RJ Barrett, that's very different than if the Knicks offer him seventy but could give him ninety. Yeah, right. The, right. The, like, I get what you're saying. If I have seven chocolate chip cookies and offer you all of the mallets, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so generous. And if I have a 10 uh, chocolate chip. Here, I'll give you seven. You don't get the well, other three. What if That's I told not- you that the, the Knicks have a full cask of of unprotected picks that they can access, but then can also sweeten the deal with a number of protected picks? Yeah, they're that really haven't protected. even come up. I, no, give- not most of them. No, so top, 10, the Detroit top 10 pick- Dallas. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Dallas, actually, the 2023 pick is the Dallas pick, right? The Detroit pick yeah. is the one that actually has a decent chance of not conveying. Um, yeah, and the Wizards one might not convey. The Bucks one is right. top five protected, right. and the Bucks, well, the Bucks are obviously very the good. The Bucks and yeah. Dallas picks are low twenty. So you're, you're, like I always talk about this. We'll, here we'll continue this conversation. What are the what's the value of those picks? Really, we'll dig into this in a second as we continue. It's locked on Knicks, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. I'm David Locke. Locked on Jazz. Back and forth, holding a longer conversation than probably Danny Ainge and Leon Rose have actually held in the last week. But don't tell the media that. It's all on the Locked On <laughs> Podcast Network. Your team every day. So. Here's the way to think of post 11 in a draft in the first round, it's 50% chance of getting a rotation player. So I want, I want the Dallas pick and I want the Milwaukee pick that gives me one rotation player. Right. 
Sure. That, that's the odds. The odds yeah. are like, hopefully I do, you know, hopefully Danny Milwaukee H- is only top four protected for what it's worth in twenty. I'm sorry, there's a guy named Giannis. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not betting on that either, trust me. But I'm just saying. There's a guy named Luca and there's a guy named Giannis. Those picks are twenty-two through twenty-eight. And maybe right? Like, let's be honest about what those are. And if Danny can go hit Robert Williams and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard again, then that's great because he's actually pulled that off. But the odds are not. So now, if I'm sending you like this is what I if I'm sending you a 20, I want your 2023, your 2025, your 2027, or I want your 2024, 2026, 2020, whatever it is. If I send you Donovan, yours should be really good for at least the next four years at minimum, maybe six. So those first two unprotected picks are back in the 20s. That's just another rotation player. All I'm asking for is two two shots in 2028 and 2030 to get a great player. And I'm giving you a great player. It actually is not an outlandish ask on the path to the Jazz. When you start to look at, if I told you I want two shots at a great player, which you have to fall apart to make it work. You're damn New York. You should be able to sign every free agent in the world and make sure that those are just 15s, not that they become fives. Like, that's really on you to do that. And I want... And then I'm getting a rotation player because I'm getting the other two picks, and then I'm going to see if Grimes or quickly becomes a viable rotation player. So what I'm really asking for is probably like three rotation players and a shot. It's not a crazy ask. And I think internally what the Knicks are thinking about to some extent in terms of these negotiations is how much does Donovan Mitchell change your championship equity? And David, you're obviously extremely qualified to answer that question. And I know you've long advocated for – um, and correct me if I'm off on this, but Rudy Gobert as as the most impactful guy in those Jazz teams, right? Last time you were on this podcast, you described him as a top five most impactful guy in the NBA. Obviously, come playoff time, maybe, and maybe you disagree with this, but I would say Donovan has been the more impactful of the two. 28 points per game, historically good scoring for a younger player, right? Very rarely replicated throughout NBA history, uh, fairly efficient over that time period. But if I were to just leave it blank and say Donovan Mitchell is a top blank player in the NBA, what would your answer to that be, and how is he still getting better for someone? When you just look at his baseline statistics year to year, are pretty similar, and what is the ceiling? At? So I think he's top 15 to 18, probably. I mean, like, he was should have he or Trey Young should have been all NBA, right? You could argue there. So he's probably 13 to 18. Like, I think that's, I think that's the argument that either he or Trey Young, I thought he actually deserved it more than Trey Young um, this last year. I think he's actually getting better on the natural – trajectory of what young players do frankly you know i'm not saying he's one of these guys but Giannis wins it at 28 Kawhi wins it at 29 when he's not with the spurs lebron wanted at what 27 steph wanted at 27 20 but i i don't think donovan had a very good year last year in all regards of like career development i think he had a hard time figuring out what he was as a superstar what he was as an all-star i think there are a bunch of things where he missed last year he'll be way better this next year because of that like that's who he is he gets better from opportunity you know, he's a unique kid who you see actually work on something in practice and try it in a game. He'll he'll be he always is getting better. So, I mean, you're getting a three time all star who's going to be a perennial all star who's on the cusp of being all NBA every single year. There's only fifth like you're not getting those anywhere else. Like, tell me where else you're getting that guy. Right. Like we can start running. Giannis ain't getting traded. Luke ain't getting traded. Joel's not getting traded. Like those guys aren't getting moved. Th- those are the guys. There's 15 like Trey Young's not getting moved. Like there's there's only. 18 of them. One of them just got moved. That was Rudy. We had two of them. 
But so you can hold out for that pick that you don't want to give us on the theory that somebody else isn't going to step in, but you also aren't going to get this player otherwise. So that's great. You, you, you enjoy finishing ninth in the East with your 16th pick of the draft un, would, would have been protect. Gosh, darn it. If you give up a rotation player who probably won't help you contribute to getting better. And then why you have to pay RJ Barrett. I get what you're saying. However, all right, so if we're talking about if Mitchell is a top 18 player, well, so you said 15, 18, which I would assume means you think he falls somewhere 15, 16, 17, 18. At the time that James Harden got traded from the Rockets to the Nets, what, where would you have placed him in the NBA hierarchy as far as? Top, top 12, love, top 10. Yeah, I agreed. Okay, so top 10? Okay, I, I mean. With he, a was, he was like an MVP candidate. candidate. And older. Right, yeah. But I'm, yeah. Sure. Okay, all right. So, I mean, if we're – so just using that deal as a baseline template, if that was two rotation players and Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, and then that was three first-round picks and four swaps, so well, you're asking I'm for asked, four – I haven't asked for enough. So you're asking for four first-round picks straight up plus two swaps. You're asking for one less – well, and, and Alex, keep in mind, the, the, wait, these wait, Knicks picks old? are... Let me, let me look. Oh, James Harden's 33 years old in six days. Yeah, let me let me include something in there, though. These Knicks yeah, picks are see, quite Alex, a bit more valuable than this next Gavin, stop. I want Alex to keep talking. It's helping me out. Keep talking, okay. Alex. Keep talking about that James Harden trade and how much they gave up for a 33-year-old fading star. That'd be great. Keep talking. Was, at the time of the trade, he wasn't 33 years old. He is now, and he was fading. He was averaging 34. He was down to 22 at the time of the trade. Yeah, I mean, it, that is what – we're talking about caliber of players. So you just admitted he was a top 10 player. But now you want to – Top 12 is what Gavin said. I'm fine with that. Right. And it was a team that had actual championship aspirations willing to push those things in. So the Knicks being a team that does not have championship aspirations, even with Donovan Mitchell on the roster – there's a lot more at risk here. Like, I don't think this is a sure thing. Like, I know that you're you're selling this as if this is, oh, you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you're going to be a contender instantly. I don't believe that. I, right, I don't believe it with Donovan. Let's go to Seth Partnow's tears on The Athletic for a second. So, I don't like his tears at all, but feel free want, to reference him. <laughs> DeMar DeRose, here, here are the players he had ahead of Donovan that play a similar position. Are they going to be available? Or do you want them? Jamal Murray, Kyrie Irving... Drew Holiday, Dame Lillard at 30-whatever, Chris Paul at 56, <laughs> Devin Booker, John Morant, Trey Young. I mean, Lucas it was like, Stout. yeah, most of those names right. you just mentioned above. Yeah, obviously. Right, but uh, you can't get any of those players. Right. I, d I don't think that I'm as sold on Donovan Mitchell because I'm not sold that he's a for sure bona fide two-way player. And I don't know how Do much I want to think Oklahoma city would give you Shea Gilgis Alexander. Potentially. in like a year, if you're talking about what could happen a year from now, because that's the other player. Like that's the other player. That's the player. Sure. I'm another team and I'm not going to give up Donovan. I want to know if I can get Shea Gilgis Alexander out of Oklahoma city. Yeah. I potentially go for it. Like if that's, if that's the move where Leon reaches a point and says, I'm not willing to do this with the jazz. And then it reaches a point where then, you know, you say, okay, well, who's our next target? Yeah, I could definitely see Shea being that Just guy. to be clear, there's not literally mm – -hmm. the cliff falls off after that. 
Like if you go look, and I don't know if you done, if you go look at the talent of those kind of guards, like Darius Garland is there, but I don't think he's like he's not in the his timetable doesn't match. And then it's right. over. This is also assuming that we know exactly who's going to be making themselves available in the next year or so too. If if I had asked you a year ago, if you thought that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were going to be off this team by the end of July, potentially what would you say? The first round and have as miserable a season as we did this last year, I might've said yes. You said to us back in, in February or whenever we talked that there was no shot that a first round exit would change Donovan Mitchell's stance because why would he ever want to leave Utah to go to New York, the perennial losers, you know, because of one first round exit, you know? I still, I still don't know why he wants to go to New York. Right, but it happens. So that's my whole point. And what like, I really don't know, know is play a franchise that's re-signed a grand total of one draft pick since 19, like, gonna be 20 two. <laughs> is actually worried about their draft picks. It's going to be two. Wait, wait, wait. wait. But, that's, but that's a relevant point, right? Because that, I think, rightfully or wrongfully, is part of the Knicks' rationale here is they are building the most sustainably they have in 30 years. You can mock it. I would say you can rightfully mock it. It's been a disaster for, for three decades. But the premise that most Knicks fans are operating under who don't want to make this trade, don't want to give up the farm is that we actually have exciting young guys like in Emmanuel quickly in Obi top and in Quentin Grimes who look like they're going to be on the team for a long time and look like they're going to be, if not Donovan Mitchell, uh, solid starters in the NBA. And David, I guess that's where I'll go next because I noticed throughout this 20 plus minute conversation, you haven't mentioned those guys once. Do you think from Danny Ainge's perspective, I mean, obviously the unprotected picks, I would say on an individual level are probably more valuable. No, you know, I'll say definitely more valuable than any single one of those players. But what is the balance that Utah is looking to strike? Do they want one of those guys? Do they want two of those guys? Or would they rather the Knicks throw them seven picks and they'll say, you keep all your young guys. We're just fine. We'll take your picks and we'll count on you being bad and blowing this somehow. Like if you suddenly gave the Jazz a million picks, right? Like it just became an endless picks and the Jazz took – Derek Rose and Evan Fournier and four unprotected two pick swaps and two. I think they would do that. Two extra picks. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, I think, I think that moves the meter more than Quinton Grimes, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. Like I, I actually think you're actually talking about like to me, Quinton Grimes and Emmanuel quickly are almost like, I'm not sure. I think both of them are NBA rotation players. I could be wrong. I didn't watch them a lot. I have my whole theory on Knicks. Like the minute a player does one thing well in New York, they become like a bona fide star because it's New York. Whereas if they did the same thing in Cleveland, we'd actually never know. Um, so I'm totally biased against Nick players for that reason. That's not fair. I, I loved quickly out of the draft, um, but I don't know a position he plays. He's not really a point guard and we're, Right, we just had a draft where not a single player under the size of six four got drafted in the first round. We have the Dallas Mavericks don't have a single player under six five on the floor. Like if you're under six five and you're not a point guard, I don't know what you are in this league anymore. Like I think yeah. quickly's like a really like I think he's a hard player to play. So like to me, quickly and Grimes and maybe maybe even Obi Toppin, even though he's a top ten pick, to me are just kind of like those unprotected picks. Right there. Or excuse me, those protected picks. They're they're sure, shots sure. at rotation players. Um, so yeah, like if you suddenly said we got to keep our young guys, take Rose, take Fournier, we're giving you four first unprotected, two pick swaps, Dallas's pick and Milwaukee's pick. I think I think I'm in. I think we're more talking now. Let me throw one more thing out here. And we can't 
We can't. Uh, I, I would defend Grimes and quickly the end of the earth if I could right now. But we don't issue, have enough time for that. Here's the but, only interesting <laughs> issue on that from a jazz standpoint. Yes. Is whether or not you actually need to go get quickly and top them in Grimes to to hurt the roster enough so that your draft picks are good. Like they yeah. are probably two or three of them are probably viable rotation players in the NBA. I don't really know how quickly fits when you have Brunson and Mitchell. Like I wouldn't want quickly out there with either Brunson or Mitchell. So that's kind of what I was talking about. But they are viable rotation players. And so then do you end up with, you know, do we, do the jazz need to actually take those guys just so that your bench becomes McBride and a bunch of guys that may or may not be in West Westchester or New York city. Yeah. Well, again, I could defend those three guys you just mentioned to the ends of the earth, but I won't right now. Cause I don't have another 30 minute podcast to do this. I will throw out one last thing and we can't, I don't think there's enough screen space for us to call in uh, the Kamenetsky brothers from the the Lakers podcast, right? But there was a report from Mark Stein out today that potentially the Lakers might be a team that's interested in getting involved. He indirectly basically said in this whole shenanigans, right? We have to do this tomorrow with the Kamenetsky brothers? You might have to, yes. (laughs) But let's just say that the Lakers say, okay, well, we like Derrick Rose because we love our 30-something-year-old guys that were good in 2010. Um, and we like Julius Randle because we have a history with him and we like what he's become and we think that he could be good with LeBron and Anthony Davis, blah, blah, blah. If they are willing to then push one one or maybe even both of their first-round picks your way and Russell Westbrook, who the Jazz obviously would just cut most likely, yeah, does that change? Does that change your mind at all as well? As far as like the fourth unprotected pick or something? I would, I'm not prepared for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Curveball. (laughs) Uh, um, Here's what I would have to look at. I'd have to uh, analyze like the lot per year, right? Are you suddenly pulling both the Knicks and the Lakers in 2024. So, you know, you're going to that pick draft suddenly with three first round picks. Are you, well, they only have, they only have 2027 and 2029 available because they're spent. So, (laughs) so you understand what I'm saying though? Like how does it impact pick allocation? How does it impact those kind of things would be the question on, you know, what the value of each pick is that we're talking about and whether it's better. I generally don't want to make trades, frankly. I'd far rather make unprotected picks with a market that's Minnesota than New York or L.A. I mean, New York has not been very good, but they should be because they have a market to be able to sign free agents. Like, the Lakers can lose all their draft picks. They're going to sign guys. It's L.A., right? Like, they're going to sign guys. So, you know, you're not generally going to – you shouldn't get lucky like Boston did with Brooklyn on either of these two teams. Um, And so – it's hard. I mean, I, the other game, truthfully, and this is then we should wrap this up or do it an, or do another day this week, is what the Jazz are really doing at this point. If you trade Donovan, you're going to go get your own superstars, right? You're going to go like Oklahoma City and Houston have gotten Jabari and Jalen Green and Chad Holmgren and 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 Josh Giddy with their picks, and then what you're going to either get is couple of these other picks because they're viable enough or interesting enough to go get something. Or you're going to go get your rotation pieces with the other pick, as we've been talking about. But the chances, truthfully, of pulling off Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is really hard. Because both these franchises are pretty good. Minnesota, 2029, eh, you never know. 2027, seems unlikely. But 
Anthony Edwards is on the Knicks by 2027. Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert don't like each other. And next thing you know, like, right, then that 2027 is good and 2029 is good. So, yeah, I mean, the premise. Yeah, go ahead. Love Anthony. We would love Anthony Edwards. I just had to get that in there. So (laughs) we'll start planning. Right. I mean, he's going to be next one. Edwards going to be after Minnesota to go take that superstar out of their market too. Yeah, and and look, and the the premise of what the Thunder have done is is you have infinite maneuverability, right? And maybe at some point that runs out. Um, They've done a really good job on the margins, finding guys to fill in. But you get the benefit of doing that if you suck for a long time, right? You get to cycle through guys. You get to find your Lou Dortch. You get to find your Kenrich Williams. And the Jazz are now in that position. So at least on my end, David, I'll, I'll wrap up on this. Do you think this deal gets done? If so, when do you think it gets done? And I won't press you for something specific, but what do you think the outline of that deal, as objectively as you can, looks like? I think we're pretty close to what the outline of the deal is. Frankly, we're playing around with all the pieces, and I don't know how who values what, like, does somebody really think Grimes is a starter? And so that that's an important piece to them, or is it just, but I think you have to look at these as like, okay, that's a rotation. That's a 50% rotation piece. That's a 50% and you're, you're, it's an analytical analysis and everyone's, and actually these, most of these front offices have the analytics to kind of do that. That's, that's what you're doing um, at that point. Guys, you crashed my show. (laughs) I'm going to crash yours before the week's over. You better look out. I'm, I'm game. Come on in, and we'll 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 welcome you with with loving New York arms. <laughs> we'll see what the Kamenetsky brothers say next. Yeah, we, we took a lot of crap last time you were on for for you sunning us, so we, we just we had to we had to do something. Guys, good time. <laughs> we had to use your words against you. Hi, <laughs> right. David. It is locked on Jazz. It is locked on Knicks. It is locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making either one of us your first listen of the day. Go listen to Locked On NBA. As your first listen, or if you're a jazz fan, listen to Locked on NBA Big Board after this conversation. Have a good one.